we do have much to give thanks for. Obviously, it's a great season for us to remember all the blessings that God has given to us. And many of us today probably have already thought about some of those things to give thanks for. But sometimes we give thanks not because everything is good in our lives, but because we have a place to go when things are not so good in our lives. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer at this time, but as we do, um, I want to open up the altar. I've had two separate families come to me already and ask that we lay hands on them to pray this morning. And I think they've already got some family members that are going to come with some of them, but maybe you have a need. Whatever it would be, the scriptures are very clear that if we have a need, that we're, we're to call upon the elders of the church to come and lay hands on them, that they may be healed. Believing that our God is able to heal, to do far more than we could ever do on our own. So we're going to invite you to come. We're going to have uh, Margie just play for a few moments. If you would like to come forward, we're going to have a time of prayer. I'm actually going to leave the pulpit here just so I can go down and lay hands on people as well. So as she plays, we invite you to come this morning. Father, as we come before you this morning, well, first of all, we are so privileged to know that your throne is available to us, to know that in the midst of our brokenness, there is hope and there is a place to turn that will always be faithful, that you will always provide. And Lord, today we simply come before you grateful for who you are. Lord, thank you for the blessings you have given to us. Lord, we have seen so many incredible blessings. Well, first of all, the gift of salvation. Thank you that you cared enough about us, that you were not content leaving us in our sin, but rather you made a way for each of us to be redeemed, to be set free, to be made new, and to have a hope for eternal life. Thank you today for the gift of your salvation. But thank you also that you have not abandoned us, that as we go through difficult days, as there are times of hurting, that there is hope in your name. Father, we come before you this morning and Lord, you see all of these people that are gathered at the altar this morning. And there are so many needs, and they seem too big for us, but none of them are too big for you. It's not that there are too many. Every single one of these needs could be met by you, and that's why we turn to you, believing that you are our greatest hope. We have seen your hand at work. We have experienced your healing touch. And we know today that just as you have healed in the past, you can heal today. Father, we come before you today and we do, in accordance with scripture, we anoint with oil, asking that your will be done. We know today that specifically in Penny's family that there is a need and we are not able to take care of this on our own, but we pray that your hand of mercy would be extended. We pray that you would bring healing and Lord, where decisions have been made that are not God honoring. Lord, I pray that you would bring grace. Father, I pray that you would allow this to become an opportunity for her family to recognize your faithfulness to them, even in the midst of trial. Father, I pray that you continue to be with Judy, and we know that she's had some issues with her back in recent days. We know that her 
granddaughter has had some surgery. Even her daughter has had health issues in the past as well. And Lord, I pray that your hand would continue to rest upon them. I thank you for the work that you've already done, but I pray that your continued touch would remain on them today. Thank you for Judy, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring healing in her life. I pray for Tim. Pray that you would continue to guide him, continue to allow your spirit to rest upon him and to change who he is. He is a work in progress, and we celebrate the work that is being done. But Lord, we also ask that you would give clear guidance to Tim as he continues on this journey. Lord, I pray that you continue to be with Lynn, and you know that there are uh, concerns within the family. I also know that there are some great days ahead for them. Lord, I pray that you'd be with her and Hugh as they take this step. I fa Father, I pray that your will would be done. I pray that you would work in them, help them to be the couple that you created them to be and to honor you in the way that they live their lives. Father, I pray that you'd be with Raymond. I pray that you would touch him and specifically as he's been dealing with issues of balance and Lord, I pray that you would help him to have the strength to stand, to be able to uh, not have to worry about whether or not he's able to hold himself up. Father, I pray that you would strengthen him and touch his body right now. I pray specifically that you would be with Mary Ann. You know that she has a procedure that is coming up this week and she needs your touch. Lord, we are grateful for the doctors and nurses and all that they're able to do. But we know that, Lord, our greatest hope is in the great physician. And we pray today that your anointing would rest upon her. And in the name of Jesus, we pray for healing to take place. Father, I pray that in each of these situations that your name would be glorified. Lord, I pray today that maybe there are other needs represented around this room today. May we know that we have a place to go, a place to turn. And Lord, I pray that you would use our hardship, our suffering, our illness, our brokenness to bring glory to your name. Whatever that looks like, Father, we trust you and we are grateful for you. Lord, may your grace be ever sufficient for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. I also neglected to pray for Al Malasso, who is in the hospital still this morning dealing with pneumonia, but he's in good hands. I talked with Ginger already today, 
and he is doing well. We want to continue to pray for him. I also neglected to pray for the youth ministry. Uh, they are at a retreat this weekend, about 25 of them, and just praying that the Lord will continue to work in them. In fact, I know we just prayed, and it's already an extended time of prayer. I'll never apologize for an extended time of prayer, but we're going to pray again. Father, thank you. Thank you for your healing touch. Thank you, just as Lee just mentioned, that you are working on our behalf and still performing miracles. Thank you for the report regarding his son, Michael. Lord, I pray that you would continue to touch him. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to be with Al, continue to be with Sherry, continue to be with all these individuals who have been dealing with all kinds of illness. Father, we know that you're the only one who can take care of us, so we pray that you would do what needs to be done. I do pray for our youth ministry. Thank you for Pastor Lee and his leadership and all those who are participating and helping to develop these young people. Lord, I pray that these young people would not be the church of tomorrow, but the church of today. I pray that you would pour out your spirit on them, that you would develop incredible men and women of God who will serve you with all their hearts and will change this world. We believe that you are calling them to greatness, and we pray that you would help them to accomplish your will in their lives. Father, we thank you today for all that you've done. We could never list everything. I know that's what this service is going to be about today. We're going to be talking about what we're thankful for, but Lord, we just come before you right now and we say thank you. Thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. And, yes. No, that's okay. You told me I didn't have to pray, but let's pray one more time. Sorry. <laughs> Lord, I pray right now for Lily, and as she goes into this surgery, uh, Lord, I pray that you would provide, help her to get well enough to be able to do the surgery. And again, just as we prayed a moment ago with Marianne, our greatest hope is not in the doctors and nurses. It's in you. So we pray that your will would be done, and just pray that you would uh, go before her and work this out as quickly as possible. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, no more prayer requests. I'm just kidding. Always time for prayer. Uh, at this time, if there are any children that would like to go to Children's Church, I see Miss Hannah in the back, and she is ready for kids. So uh, it is such a blessing to have each of you uh, with us this morning. This past Wednesday, speaking of kids, this past Wednesday night, I had the children in our Awana program share things that they were most thankful for this year. And their answers were very diverse. The most common answer was family, specifically mom and dad, brothers and sisters. I don't know if I always would have thanked God for my brothers and sisters when I was growing up. Even aunts and uncles. Some added a few extra pieces of information. One noted that they were thankful for their mom and the fact that they finally got a home. Another wrote that they were thankful for watching movies and hanging with mom. One said that he was thankful for blue Kool-Aid, pop, uh, popcorn, cake, and school. I think they must have been serving Kool-Aid, popcorn, and cake this Wednesday night as another also included those items on their list. 
One of the unnamed responses said that they were thankful for the good days and the bad days. My family, my dog, and my stuff. I actually thought that was pretty wise for a kid. In fact, it probably would have been pretty wise for an adult as well, being thankful not only for the good days, but also for the bad days. There were others who were thankful for friends, movies, sports, and even Pastor Mike. I like that kid. (laughs) But probably my favorite came from a young lady. I'm not going to tell you her name, but her name was on the piece of paper. My favorite came from a young lady who simply wrote, I am thankful for Jesus. Let me tell you that I am so thankful for those kids. Sure, some of their responses we would look at as being humorous, but more than that, I think that it pretty accurately would reflect the thoughts of many adults as well. I wonder today, what would you give thanks for? There were a couple of adults who answered those questions for me Wednesday night. My goal was really to get the kids, but I'm not going to stop other people from being thankful. They shared that they were thankful for new adventures, for health, for family, for house and transportation and education and personal growth and church and freedom and good food and coffee. Why would you include coffee? Seriously? Warmth. Their dog, and I know that we're talking about adults, but they put Veggie Tales. They were watching Veggie Tales as a part of Wednesday night's program, so maybe that's why. Are you thankful for any of those items? I'm going to give you a heads up already as to where we're going this morning. The purpose of today's message is to help us realize that we have what we have to be thankful for, and there is truly much to be thankful for. Next week's message will be focused on what to do with those things. Yes, the youth are going to lead the service. They're going to take care of all the preliminary stuff. I actually offered to let one of them preach, but I was asked if I would still preach next Sunday. So I am still going to preach next Sunday, but as I do, I'm going to be focusing on what to do with the things that we are thankful for. But for this week, I want to encourage you I know I'm supposed to give the challenge at the end of the message, but sometimes we lose focus, so I'm going to give it to you now. I'll probably do it at the end as well. I want to encourage you to make a list of things that God has done in your life, both great and small, and then simply begin by saying thanks to God. My guess is that every one of us, if we were to take the time, we would be overwhelmed by the amount of things that God has done in our lives. We have much to give thanks for. Well, I want to go back to one of the responses of the kids. He wrote that he was thankful for the good days and the bad days. You know, it's easy for us to be thankful for the good days It's not always easy to be thankful for the bad days, but did you know that those good days and those bad days can be beautiful things? You say, well, yeah, I get why the good days are beautiful things. Actually, the bad days can be beautiful things as well. There's a Southern gospel group known as the Martins, and I had the privilege of seeing them in concert this past week. Let me take a little detour to begin with here. It was at a church. It's called Utica Baptist Church. It's located in Seneca. And I walked in, and 
Honestly, I thought I was at Trinity. I didn't understand why until Pastor Wiggins came over and he told me why. About 30 years ago, not long after this building was built, their building committee came and asked for permission to come and check out our church because they were in the process of building and they had heard that our sanctuary was a beautiful place. So as you walked in, it almost looked like a mirror image of Trinity Wesleyan Church. I felt like I was at home. It was wonderful. This group, the Martins, in my opinion, is one of the best musical groups that you could ever hear. And I was amazed this week as I listened to them at how much hardship they shared about. They talked about their battles with depression, their struggles of raising special needs children, and just life in general. Well, I went to that concert to be uplifted, to celebrate, to hear about all the good things, and here they are, they're talking about all the difficulty that they've been facing. And then I thought about conversations that I had had just this past week. They've included those with significant medical concerns, one who is paying the price for poor choices from before they became a child of God, and one, a family that is completely falling apart. Again, it's easy to give thanks in the midst of those good days. How do we give thanks in the bad days? There are many answers to this question, and some answers might include realizing that things could always be worse than they currently are. Have you ever thought your life was a complete disaster, and then you met someone else who was going through something far worse than what you're dealing with? I remember the church that I grew up in, we had a guy, his name was Happy. I don't know what his real name was, but everybody just called him Happy. Red-headed guy who would come in and he would light up the room. He had no legs, but this man was filled with such an incredible joy, and I didn't care what was going on in your life. When you saw the difficulty that he faced and then realized the joy that went with it, somehow your day didn't seem so bad. You know, so often we get caught up in looking at what we're dealing with today, and somehow we forget that our God is still good and he's still in control. Or maybe we give thanks, realizing that today's suffering is preparing us for something far bigger and better in the future. Consider the words of James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, which says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Thank you, Lord, for the suffering. <laughs> okay, we probably don't say it that way. But perhaps we do look at it with a heart that says, how are you going to use this in the future, Lord? My current situation, it feels like it stinks. Like nothing is the way that it should be. But Lord, how are you going to use this for good? What are you up to, Lord? And the root of this is found in the fact that we can trust that regardless of how bad our current situation is, 
our God is absolutely good. So if he's good and he longs for us to experience good things, then we ought to be able to give him thanks even when things don't feel so good today. In Psalm chapter 95, and this will be our primary text today, the psalmist writes verses 1 through 3. It says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Within this passage, we see at least three things that are worthy of our attention as we head into this Thanksgiving season. And the first one is this. Giving thanks to God ought to be an act of worship. It's not just something we do because it's what we're supposed to do, but it also ought to turn into an act of worship. I was reading in the book of Ezra this past week in chapter 3 as a part of my own devotional life, and I came across a passage that would eventually lead to thanksgiving and worship. It's a record of God's temple being rebuilt after a time of destruction and oppression. Much time has passed since the temple had been destroyed. In fact, we're talking about decades and that means that as they gathered for the rebuilding, as the young and the old watched together, they're going to have very different responses. Among the young, there is likely a sense of excitement and joy. I mean, you've got something new. This is something they've never experienced before. Decades have passed since the temple was there. So you've got a 21-year-old who has never seen the temple of the Lord. Imagine there's excitement. What will this mean for the community? What does this mean for our relationship with the Lord? And while that same sentiment is apparently there for the elders, they also have a very unique perspective. You see, they have seen the temple when it was beautiful and it represented the presence and the blessing of a holy God. I imagine that some of them had never thought that it might be rebuilt in their own lifetimes. And the result is that they would have had a sense of, first of all, excitement, but almost a sense of unworthiness, and maybe even a sense of hope all mashed together into one. Ezra 3.11 says, With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good, and his love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. There is a sense of overwhelming excitement. Thank the Lord that this day has come. Can you imagine feeling as if God has abandoned them because of their sin, because that's what the destruction of the temple would have felt like. 
The temple represented the presence of God. It was a place you went when you had a need. Man, I love that we got to pray around the altar today. We're doing what is prescribed in the word of God. But imagine the temple was taken away from you. And you wondered if God was even present. Does he even care? Has God abandoned us? Would God ever bless us again? And then suddenly they realized he has not abandoned us. So they sing a song of worship, praise, and thanksgiving. Now I do want to point out a technical difference. There is a difference between praise and worship. Typically, praise is a celebration of the good acts of God. You praise the Lord for what he has done. On the other hand, worship is a celebration of the character and the person of God. Well, look at their prayer that I just read to you from Ezra 3.11. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. It's not identifying the things that he has done so much as it is identifying who he is. This will also serve as a time of praise, but this is clearly a time of worship for the people of God. They are worshiping God for his goodness and his faithful love. And what I want you to see is that when you give thanks do not merely get caught up in the good things that you have received. Instead, keep your eyes fixed on the giver of those good things. Do not merely thank God for the money that's in your bank account. Don't thank God just for the people that are in your life. Thank God because he is the one who has given you those things. He is the one who has blessed you over and over and over again. It is his goodness and his love that endures forever that we ought to be giving thanks for. That becomes worship as opposed to just praise. What do these good gifts reveal about the character of our God? He is good. He is generous. He loves me more than I could ever imagine. He is faithful. Giving thanks to God ought to serve as an act of worship for every one of us. That's why I began with the challenge today. I want to encourage everybody, make a list of all the things that God has done. What does that reveal about him? And he's done a lot for us. The second thing that I want you to see from this passage in Psalm 95 is that the greatest gift for which we should be thankful is the gift of salvation. Listen again to the first verse. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. They're not talking about anything else, but the fact that God is the rock of their salvation. Now it should be noted that salvation likely meant something very different to many in the Old Testament, and possibly even the Old Testament psalmist than what it would to us. Often, when the Old Testament writers talked about God as their salvation, they spoke of it in a manner that reflected perhaps military victories 
or overcoming unimaginable obstacles. They saw those victories as being evidence that God had saved them. Therefore, he was the rock of their salvation. In fact, let me give you an example of this. as found in Psalm 107. Verse 6 indicates that they saw God as one who had delivered them. It says, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Just before that reference, in Psalm 107, verse 1, the psalmist again declares that we should give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. That is a theme that is repeated often throughout the Psalms. And later in this same passage, in verses 21 and 22, we read these words. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. It is clear throughout this whole chapter that it is about thanksgiving and praise, but it is because they have seen his hand of blessing and provision and their immediate lives. Now we also should give praise and thanksgiving to God for his hand of blessing and provision. But we ought to see his salvation as being much, much more. Now to be fair, there were some in the Old Testament who spoke of God as their salvation, but it was not because of things that God had already done, but because of the salvation that was yet to come. It wasn't the immediate need being met, but about a promise for tomorrow. You see, they were still waiting for the Messiah. In our case, we know that the Messiah has already come. And we know that he brought salvation to all who would put their hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we should see salvation in a slightly different light than perhaps the psalmist would have. So let me challenge you with this for a moment. On the one hand, I do challenge you to take the time to identify the things that you should be thankful for. Maybe you have some good things that the Lord has placed in your life. Maybe you've had some bad things that God's using. We've already talked about that. Some give thanks for those things. But keep in mind, that the greatest gift God has ever given is the gift of salvation. In fact, it could be argued that if we never received a single other good gift from God, then we are still the most blessed people in the world because God has already given us the greatest gift ever. So let's say thanks to him this season. I have one last thing that I want to show you from our passage today in Psalm 95. It's found in verse 3. Let me refresh your memory regarding what it said. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. One of the reasons we ought to give thanks is simply because of how great our God is. How cool is it to know that we're already on the greatest team ever? Have you ever been on a great team? Have you ever been a part of something that was really amazing? Like everybody else looked at it and they thought, man, I wish I could be a part of a team like that. I remember in high school being on a football team, we went undefeated my junior year. 
man, it felt really good to be on that kind of team. A couple of years ago, I coached my son's basketball team and we went undefeated. And in fact, even throughout all the playoffs, we won the state championship. It felt really good to be a part of that kind of team. I will say my football team, we only won three games my senior year. Wasn't quite as enjoyable as it was in my junior year. Man, the idea of being a part of something so great is amazing. How cool is it to know that you're on the greatest team ever? How cool is it to know that we have got the greatest God ever? Our most recent former president, regardless of whether you think he did a good job or not, I would, uh, I'm going to agree. Uh, sorry. Not supposed to say anything political. I apologize if that was offensive to anybody. I will say he was actually entertaining or sometimes maybe even a little bit annoying in his press conferences though. I don't know if it's too soon to bring him up as he may be running again in a few years, but he spoke using a lot of what you would call superlatives. Everything was huge the biggest ever, or the absolute best, or just better than anything we've ever seen before. And my thought is that things can't always be that good or that big. But with God, he really is always that good and always that big. For example, in the Old Testament, there are all sorts of references to other gods. We know that there's only one God. According to Deuteronomy 6.4, you shall have no other gods, and there is only one God, and that one God is the one that we serve. But there are references to other gods, false gods that were powerless to do anything. Yet for some reason, people still sought these false powerless gods. So God's people were instructed to have nothing to do with these little G gods. If you look at that passage there in Psalm 95, it does reference other gods, but it's with a little G because honestly, they're not the real thing. The thing is, this should have been a no-brainer for the people of God, and it should be for us as well. If you've got the one God who has demonstrated that he is all-powerful, and then you've got all these little G-gods who are unable to even calm a storm. Which one would you worship? I'll tell you which one I'd worship. We have the one true living God. Why would we even want to play with the, uh, those other gods? I like the way it's worded in 1 Chronicles 16, 25. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. In other words, he is great and they are not. He is great and they are nothing more than cheap imitations of the real thing. And in the New Testament, we see that his greatness has not been diminished in any way. In fact, his greatness shows up in the way that he loves us. 1 John 3, 1 declares, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. His love is greater than anything we could have ever imagined. It is bigger. It is better. It's the best. It's huge. 
And then there's his mercy. In 1 Peter 1.3, we read, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. His mercy is greater than anything we could ever have imagined. It is bigger, it is better, it is the best. It's huge. Now, when other people make claims like that, perhaps we can laugh it off as a bit of exaggeration or maybe even arrogance. But when God says it, it's true. So give thanks today for the greatness of God. There are countless examples of our great God being compared to others, and he always wins. I think of Jonah on the ship, when all the sailors cried out to their gods, but to no avail. And then Jonah informed them that his God was the God of both the land and the sea. And it tells us that they suddenly were filled with fear over what he said. The mere fact that they recognized their gods were not powerful enough. But if Jonah's God is the one who made the land and the sea, they should fear his God. It tells us that suddenly they were filled with fear. And once they do what Jonah instructs them to do, the sea became calm. I also love the way that story ended, by the way. As they offered sacrifices to Jonah's God, because their gods couldn't help them. But they suddenly discovered there was one who could. I think of Elijah when he challenged the prophets of Baal and Asherah. Their gods turned out to be powerless to even consume a small sacrifice. Yet God showed up and he showed out. What a great story. I love the interaction between Elijah and the prophets. He lets them go first. You let your God do what he needs to do, and he gives them basically all day to do it. After a while, Elijah starts having a little fun with them. Where's your God? Maybe he's somewhere else. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe if you cut yourself a little bit more, he'll maybe smell the blood, and then he'll respond. Maybe he's gone to the bathroom. That's literally, if you were to translate what it says, that's literally what it says. He is mocking them and their God. Do you know why he could confidently do that? Because he had the one true living God in his corner. All these false gods, they were useless. And I have one more example. I think of Jesus lying in the grave. How many other little gods had ever raised the dead back to life? Sure, Jesus had raised a few people back to life, but generally speaking, once an individual was dead, their story was over. Yet Jesus' story had just begun. Three days after the crucifixion of Christ, he would be resurrected from the dead. And today he lives and his story continues through you and me.
Today, I want to challenge you to give thanks to the Lord for his greatness, for his faithful love, and for the many ways that he has blessed you. Take the time this week. Identify the things that he has done in your life. I know Thanksgiving is still a week and a half away, and I don't want to rush it, although, you know what, y'all been rushing the Christmas music already. I do want to celebrate Thanksgiving, but I want us to do it recognizing we got an awful lot to give thanks for. Take advantage of the time you have this week. Begin to identify some of the things that you are thankful for. Man, I would love it. I don't have to see your list, but man, I'd love to hear some of the things you're thankful for. How God has worked in your life. I was so excited to get those responses from those kids because those are real people sharing real things that God has done in their life. Man, that is a powerful thing. The thing is, God is doing those great things in all of our lives. Let's take the time to, to give thanks. Next week, what we're going to focus on is what do you do with the thanksgiving that we have? How do you respond to the things he's done? Is it just saying, thank you, that's good? There are times we do that. But maybe there's something else we can do as a part of our thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we are so thankful for you and for all that you have done. We come before you recognizing that the things that we have received, Lord, we don't deserve any of it. Had someone asked this morning how I was doing, and the answer is much better than I deserve. And I believe today, Lord, that none of us deserves the goodness that you have extended to us. Thank you. Lord, help us to recognize what those things are that you've done. Help us to recognize not just the things but what those things mean, what they reveal about your character, about your love, about your heart for us. Lord, help us to give thanks, recognizing that, Lord, if we were the only people in the world, that you would still be that same generous, gracious, loving God. Lord, thank you for the way you love us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Thank you for the hope that we have. Thank you for the healing touch that we've experienced, believing today that you are an almighty, all-powerful God who continues to heal and work in people's lives. Lord, help us not to take for granted the things that you've done, nor the things that you will do, but help us to be quick to praise your name so that the rest of the world may know that you are still on the throne. Again, we thank you as the rock of our salvation. Lord, help us to live as if that means something to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It is such a blessing to have each of you with us this morning. And again, we are going to be going through this Thanksgiving and then Christmas season, such a busy time in the church. I do want to take this as an opportunity. Jerry mentioned uh, that I would mention about the Plus One Sunday. Uh, it's right in the middle of Thanksgiving and Christmas. You say, well, pastor, why are you adding one extra thing? We used to have something called Friend Day many years ago. Um, we just renamed it, just to be honest with you. And we're encouraging everyone on that Sunday, on December 5th, to bring one extra person with you. And part of the reason for that is throughout the Christmas season, 
It's not just the pageantry and the beauty of Christmas, but it is an opportunity for us to tell others about Jesus Christ. The Christmas season is an evangelistic time, or at least it should be. So what we're encouraging you with is bring someone else with you, not necessarily someone who goes to the church right down the road. Maybe they hadn't been to church in years. Maybe it's someone that you don't even know that they even have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor. Allow this to be an opportunity to bring someone who needs Jesus. And who knows, maybe simply because you invited them, they might find Jesus as their personal Savior. So I encourage you, December 5th, it's coming up. It's about three weeks away. We would love to have as many people as possible bring someone with them. If you don't bring a plus one, we still want you to come that Sunday. But we really would love to reach even more people for Jesus during this Christmas season. So that's what this is about. We'd love to have them come. Thank you for being with us this morning. Go in peace. Thank you, Tim.